Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Well, um, I'll tell you, it's... Uh, now, today, the day of recording, and the day you're listening to this, it is still technically winter time. Yeah. But... I guess. Yeah, it, it, it was in the 80s? Yeah. Here in the valley today? Yeah. A little bit cooler in the, you know, on the other side of the hill where I work, but still, it's a... Uh, it's a little weird. Yeah. I think the word you're looking for is bullshit. All right? <laughs> I cling to winter with everything that I have because I love it so much, especially in California where, like, it gets it, it gets chilly. It gets One could say it gets cold, but it never gets freezing cold. It gets just cold enough that you're like, yeah, winter, here we go. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's everything that you want it to be. Now, you haven't, you have not acclimated nearly to the point that I have. What do you mean? Uh, to Los Angeles weather. I like, don't like... Okay, in what sense? Basically, for the first year and a half or so that I lived here, I hated everything about it. And now I couldn't give it up. I was just talking about this with my... My, my girlfriend and I were... Uh, we went out to dinner last night for our four-year dating anniversary. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, and I was talking about how, like... For the first, again, year and a half or so, I just was like miserable with how sunny it was all the time i was like i want it to be gray every once in a while so i can like fucking think sun doesn't i feel like i can't i felt at the time like i cannot self-reflect i can't be melancholic the way that i want to be when it's sunny all the time and you know what took about a year and a half but i figured it out oh no question about it um but now i like the the thought of of you know Living somewhere where it's overcast a lot now would kind of bum me out. I'm used to it. I'm not striving. I'm not looking for overcast. I, it's about temperature. I'm fine with sunny, provided it's not 80. Like, and in the winter, it can be sunny and low 60s. And that's, not, that's pretty good for sunny, you know? Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. That's good stuff. No, it's all about temperature for me. All right. Because well, that's the thing. I've got a little bit of, uh, you know, I hate to be somebody who speaks euphemistic, you know, euphemistically about the fact that he's fat, but I've got a little, a little bit of extra padding that tends to uh, make me a little warmer in, this, in, the, in the 80 degrees area. And um, yeah, so if something is 70 and lower, uh, I, you know, I'm good with that. Okay. Sorry. I also want to say, here's the other thing. Speaking of contemplating and getting past things. I was listening to uh, our good friends, members of the fleet, the Autour cast yeah. the other day. They did their uh, they, they they did a, a a sort of mini series on the Three Colors trilogy and wrapped mm-hmm. it up with uh, uh, the great David ba- David Blakesley as a guest. Where they talked about the trilogy as a whole. It was yeah, a fantastic episode. I loved it. Also, this now I, I uh, am behind on episodes, so I'm not sure how long this has been going on. But they've also got a tweak sponsorship over there. I did notice that recently. And, uh... We get a piece of that, right? It took me a second. <laughs> but you know what? I'm happy for them. Huh. Because they're members see, of the fleet. See, I guess I'm a little bit behind on that, too. <laughs> they're members of the fleet. <laughs> um, and, uh, tweakedaudio.com makes professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors at an right. affordable price and you know what the more people who are aware of that i'm i i don't know if you guys have noticed it's not just that we get kickbacks you know when you buy tweakedaudio.com slash pretension earbuds i think officially I'm, the word is commission david okay i'm evangelical about them mm-hmm. these earbuds because they're so good and you know what 
I'm glad that more people will be getting tweakedaudio.com yeah. earbuds by using... Tweaked is your religion, David, and you, you're happy with as many converts as possible. Exactly. And I'm, I'm glad they can do that through the Autorecast. I still personally would prefer if you went to tweakedaudio.com right. slash pretension. And by the way, what that means, if you're a new listener, is you get those same professional quality earbuds at an affordable price in a variety of styles and colors uh, at an extra affordable price if you go through the slash pretension portal because that's how you get one third off and free shipping and here's the other thing is people don't look they're not going to tell you this over at the auteur cast which is you know of course i love uh, rudy and west they're they're great guys but uh if you go you know slash auteur cast they're a little bit worse (laughs) <laughs> the the earbuds are just a, just a i'm gonna say maybe like like seven spin yeah seven percent worse <laughs> they've been used once it's kind of like when you go to like the the like outlet mall store <laughs> and they have the bin of like the irregular irregular yeah, like, yeah it's some sort of stitch that's on the polo shirt weird that you like no one would ever notice but no you, one ever noticed but you know yeah yeah, um, yeah. No, there's I'm some there's some kidding. problems with the stitching on these earbuds, which <laughs> I think the fact that they're stitching at all is the problem. <laughs> all right. Um, now, David. That's it. I hung out with West uh, a couple weeks. ago. I know you did. We went to Santa Monica uh, and got hamburgers. I know. Thanks for inviting me. I think I, you did put out the invitation yes. to everybody, and I wasn't <laughs> able to make it. Yeah. Um, now, David, you wouldn't have been able to eat these burgers, though. Uh, probably not. No. I mean, I guess you could have just. You know, gotten them down to the bare necessities, and you would have liked it. Yeah, ketchup, ketchup, and mustard. I don't even know if they had mustard. <laughs> no, they I, did. It was on the table. I always bring some with me. <laughs> anyway, so uh, okay. Now, David, you mentioned just now uh-huh. the Three Colors trilogy. Yeah, yeah, Krzysztof okay. Kislowski. Yeah. Now, <laughs> because I was incidentally real quick, I was uh, I tweet so little uh, that anytime I tweet something that I think is funny, uh-huh. I. Uh, feel i need to repeat it uh-huh. and so i was uh, posting on the battleship pretension website battleshippretension.com and uh i was posting a, you know uh auteur cast episodes and so man anytime i have to type out christoph just when i think i know how many z's there are and where they are nah. it always throws me yeah, so i really tweeted good. like you know if you're ever in if you're ever in doubt about Kies- spelling out Kieslowski's first name just throw in a z or two you you'll <laughs> likely be right you'll be fine but uh anyway man i've been thinking about twitter a lot lately what was that twitter i don't know like have you fallen a, out of love with it no i use twitter probably in a way i mean i use it for good you know to promote the website okay. and, to, and to say things that are on my mind but also i use it in a way that is therapeutic for me in a negative way for everyone else i'm mm-hmm. essentially taking if I'm in a particularly bad mood, I'm taking some of the bile and putting it, I'm taking it off myself yeah. and putting it out into the Twitterverse and I'll get people, uh, I just last night said something mean about Veronica Mars. I didn't, <laughs> I've never seen the show. I have no opinion whatsoever on Veronica Mars and I am here to admit I was in a really, really shitty mood when I left my day job yesterday and I was reading all these tweets about Veronica Mars and I figured I'd just, I'd just say something shitty about it and I got a bunch of reactions like, how dare you, or it's a great show and like it, it made me feel better. <laughs> You're a troll, David. That's what you are. I, I, I've, t- I've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. I am just a, just a few shreds of like 
self-respect or or like humanity away from being a full-blown troll because i 100 percent understand oh no question joy of of being a troll yeah all i have to do is the say appeal. a few words well i i remember back when we lived together you and i had a conversation once about i think we were inspired by an old comedy bit by mark maron which was can you ruin somebody's day maybe even their whole week like how how can you do that by using as few words as possible? <laughs> like you say one sentence as short as possible and you ruin this person's day, if not their week. And, uh, and I don't remember exactly what we, you know, I mean, simply saying fuck you to someone that you, <laughs> that you are friends with. You really got to sell it though. Otherwise they'll think you're joking. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there is something, it's that to imp of the perverse we're always talking about, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, uh, Okay. But then the other thing I was going to say about Twitter okay. that I actually sort of like, I don't know how often you do this. How often have you uh, started to write a, a tweet or, or a Facebook update or anything like that and then realized like someone who follows you might take that the wrong way and you self-censor? Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there, there are some where uh, I'll post it and be like, oh, oh, immediate regret and I'll delete it. And so <laughs> it's likely someone might have seen it for a brief second. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But yeah, so, um, okay. Now, I want to... Uh, okay, so, Three Colors Trilogy. Um, now, I have only seen one of those films, and that, oh, is, that is Red. I only saw Red, which that's I... That's an odd which I, one to have only seen. I saw it in, in a class, um, and it was not... It, it was a film class, sort of, but it was not officially in the film department at school. It was in the, I think, sociology department. And it was uh, depictions of the, uh, of the city in film. So we, we, we watched a lot of interesting movies there. But, um, but anyway, so she picked Red. Um, and so we, I watched that. But I've not seen White or Blue. Um, I've, got the, I've got the Blu-ray, Criterion Blu-ray box set you can borrow. As I, do, I do as well now as a function of uh, Christmas. Oh, good. So I also have the Decalogue box set from Facets on All right, one thing at a time. On DVD. Uh, so basically, here's the deal, everybody. Um, so I'm going to be taking a sort of a break, right. a hiatus, a sabbatical from uh, pretty much everything yeah. for a while. Um, as, uh, as we've mentioned, I have uh, a number of commitments, and by a weird coincidence, two of them, uh, I'm getting just sort of a, a default break from two of them at the same time. And so I thought, hey, here's... So suddenly, I get two Monday nights free and four Wednesday nights free where I previously didn't. And so I thought it'd be a good idea to take a break from other things as well. And that includes more than one lesson. And that does, yes, include Battleship Pretension. And the point of my doing this Now, this is is a closed-ended break. You're not... You're yeah, no, taking it's, an indefinite hiatus. No, it's the month of April. The month of April. So four, it'll be four episodes that I'm that I'm sitting out um, of, of Battleship Pretension. I believe that's correct, right? I think there's only four th- uh, four yes, Sundays. Yes, it's the fourth, the eleventh, the eighteenth, and the twenty fifth. Yeah. So are the four Thursdays that we record? Yes, sorry, yes. I forget they post. Yeah. I think of Battleship Pretension as Thursdays. Yeah, me too. Record. I'm sorry. So that would be the what? I don't know. Seventh, fourteenth, twenty first, twenty eighth. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So, uh, so that's the, that's the situation. Now, the reason I'm taking the break is as, as listeners know, and I, I make a joke about this from time to time is there, there are days when I feel like something of a fraud. I feel like I haven't seen enough movies to be able to speak with authority about movies. Um, I still do, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I, you know, 
I'm always questioning myself and, and that sort of thing. And so there, there's a few key movies, just a, you know, a handful of movies. I feel like, okay, I, I need to see that. Uh, I haven't seen it. And so I'm going to use my hiatus, my sabbatical, whatever you want to call it. I want to use that to catch up on some movies that I have been meaning to see for a long time. And so the idea is I'm removing myself from these from these things that I love doing so that when I come back, I might be able to do them better. Mm-hmm. So now, of course, that's what I'm going to be doing during the month of April. And so I do apologize. Do you, you actually stick to watching movies? Oh, yeah. Because I found that when I was years ago, when I was like sporadically employed, when I was being a PA, I would mm-hmm. think like, oh, it sucks that I'm like not going to have a job starting next week, but at least I'll watch a bunch of movies. And I would invariably end up spending my days watching hockey videos on youtube and playing <laughs> dance dance revolution because i knew my downstairs neighbor was at work so well t- i could play and i i did not get to movies as much as i could have living in uh our new in our new place mm-hmm. makes a huge difference because my office is different than my living room and so because in the old place it was all one big room and so mm-hmm. I, when i would sit at my you know, on the couch watching TV, my computer is just staring at me and it's not merely, Hey, you've got work you can be doing. It's also, Hey, you could probably return some emails or something like that. And I could just, and I would just pause what I was watching and just walk over and do that. Uh, the fact of like, there really is something to be said about like, you know, out of sight, out of mind and my computer, which is say my workstation being out of my sight while I'm watching something makes a huge difference. And so, I, just something I've noticed in the last few weeks. What do you think about people who like tweet and stuff while they're watching movies at home? Um, I would say by by and large off putting. Uh, I don't necessarily. And they're like not really watching that. the movie. I know from experience because back in the MySpace days, I tried it. I watched two movies. Mm-hmm. I watched David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers, and I watched uh, Hal Ashby's Bound for Glory. I liked them both. Yeah, but I don't think I got anywhere near the experience I should have. Because I was like on MySpace while I was watching. Yeah, I mean, I'll tweet like, well, I don't actually do this, but if I was going to tweet something, it would be a movie that I have either seen before and I think is a casual watch or a movie I haven't seen and it, and I know is shitty. And it's just one of those things that like, I'm going to live tweet uh, Twilight. What the hell? You know, like <laughs> right. something like that. But something that actually is potentially meaningful to me, I probably would yeah. not would not do that um but anyway so um so i think i actually will be watching stuff partially because like for the last couple weeks like i finally got around to watching the ballad of uh nariyama which i thought was great oh good i Um, I haven't read your review yet and you've got a couple more criterion blu-rays yeah i I got a lot of stuff to uh to to watch and i'm excited to do so uh and then i watched jules and jim today in preparation for a more than one lesson mini so that i'm recording later on maybe tonight um and so and it's just been great watching these movies and uh not feeling the pressure of work now admittedly i don't have any work to do this week but because uh, <laughs> my boss was off but uh but yeah and so i'm excited to do it i'm gonna be i, I do predict that by the time it's you know by the time may rolls around i will be itching champing at the bit to yeah. uh to come back on here thank you for saying champing you're welcome it does bother me. Yeah. I think we should uh, quash that right now. <laughs> Not squash, please. But I feel like through like years of hip-hop lyrics, squash has actually become acceptable. It, that doesn't it? bother me the way that chomping at the bit means. Does. Yeah. Although, but that's the thing. is like chomping 
I mean, the per, the the horse is chomping. It, it like but the thing is no, but it is called is, champing. Don't get me wrong; I understand because the the verb it, you champ at something, you mm. chomp on something. Oh, fair enough. Okay, so I guess you could say chomping on the bit, but that doesn't have the same no. Because at implies it's like raring to go. It's yeah, like yeah. there's a forward motion to it. So anyway, this is not important. Okay, now that's what I'll be doing in April. But the show's still going to be going, David. Yes. What's going to be happening? Um, it's going to be a fun month. We've got. Um, uh, I, I kind of, again, I keep complaining about my day job lately, but you know what? It's fucking horrible lately. So uh, I haven't been able to nail down a lot of concrete guests. But it, what? But the idea that I'm pursuing is that we will have for those four episodes a guest host uh, for each episode, mm-hmm. a different one for each episode, someone that Battleship Retention listeners know and love. Yeah. And we'll have a guest on the episode who's never been on the show before, who is someone that is recruited by that guest host. That's mm-hmm. the idea behind it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've got, yeah, definitely got some people lined up that I want to approach. Um, I've gotten a couple of tentative yeses, but I haven't nailed down dates or guests yet. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun month, but it'll be also uh, fun in May to get back to, you know, the right. real battleship potential. Exactly. <laughs> now, here's the thing, David. If if one of your guest hosts says, hey, here's the guest I have, and the guest is so great that you're like, oh, Tyler should definitely be here for that guest. Are you going to say no? Please say yes, you'll say no. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll say no. I didn't think about that, but Thank yeah, you. I'll say no. Because I was just like... Because, like, let's say, let's say in theory, let's say it was like, I don't know, let's say it was Fatum or something like that. He knows a lot of people. Yeah. So let's say he goes, hey, by some weird uh, turn of events, I was able to get uh, Paul Thomas Anderson on the show. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> or Tina and then there, Yeah. And then that night, I'm, it's just like, oh, but I need to watch Mike Lee's Naked, so I'm not going to be there. <laughs> Wait, and have so, you not seen Naked? I have not. Oh, I have that Blu-ray, too. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm just telling you in advance. If that happens, you know what? I'm off the show. Okay. All right. Uh, See, I, will, I will run by you. Okay. Thank by you. you. All right. Um, all right. Okay. We're doing okay on time since we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the topic today. I don't think it's going to be a very time-consuming one. Oh, and a reminder that we are going to be at WonderCon sure. at the end of the month. So if you are interested in maybe uh, you know meeting us or something like that, we are not currently arranging a meetup. But if enough people show interest and a couple people have... Uh, then maybe we'll put yeah, something, we'll a, something a low level meetup, obviously. Yeah. Um, I know our friend, friend of the show, Ian Brill, will be at WonderCon. He's on. Uh, Kyle, you know, my, Kyle's probably going to be there. Okay. Ian's on a on a panel, so that'll be fun. Oh, neat. Um, I also hung out with him last week. And I had had a burger with Ian. I had a burger. All right, this episode will go. Yeah, it'll still be March. All right, if you live in the Los Angeles area, and it is still March, get yourself to the Oinkster in Eagle Rock. Because they have a burger for this month only. That it is it is a burger, a cheeseburger. Okay. That in addition to having a burger patty and cheese and and fixins, mm-hmm. it also has pulled pork, and it has macaroni and cheese on it, and it is fucking amazing. I like pulled pork and I do like mac and cheese and I feel like that could be pretty good on a on a. It's super good. I feel like that'd be good on its own without the burger. Well, here's the thing. Here's why you wouldn't like the oyster. Oh, okay. Because it's one of those no modifications places. You can't, like, I don't like pickles. I had to pull the pickles off myself because you can't say Okay, no well, that's, uh, you know, maybe I'll pull, yeah, you know what, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, anyway, uh, yeah, Ian, Ian and I went out and had that, uh, had the burger. Anyway, um, real quick. Okay, we got some, we got some gifts. Um, 
Well, our friends, your dead at your dead, their their film, um, their film, your dead got fully kickstarted and then some. Yeah, and uh, they sent us some awesome uh, beer koozies. I guess you you call them or, or can koozies, and you don't drink right. beer. You can put your your Pepsi in there. Yeah, um, and it says "Touch my drink and you're dead," which I love. We got here's a mysterious one. Okay, we got a postcard that is a picture of Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lancaster Dodd. Okay, the back of it. Does not have a return address. It says two things on it. Okay. In thought bubble, I guess like it's supposed to be coming out of Philip Seymour or Lancaster Dodd's head. Yeah. It says, do you want to say the word? It says boobs. Yeah, because I don't like that word. Yeah. And at the bottom, it says go Rangers, which I'm going to assume is the, is the NHL's New York Rangers because I'm a hockey fan. Maybe. Something, maybe a hockey fan sent us this. Yeah, I'm not sure. If you're a Rangers fan, then I got no beef with you, and I'm. Uh, I hope. Uh, I hope Mark Stahl's eye is okay. Um, yeah, he got hit in the eye with a puck. That's unfortunate. It's raised a lot of uh, discussion about whether or not visors oh. should be mandatory. Oh, I thought you were going to say it raised a lot of eyebrows. No, it did that too. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. Uh, Seventy to seventy-five percent of the league. Wears visors mm-hmm. anyway, but it's not mandatory. And there's a, I don't know. Again, there talk- there ought to be a law. That's what I say, David. Did you really say that? Because we've talked about my libertarian tendencies. Yeah. No, I don't think there should be a law. <laughs> yeah, they can decide for themselves, I guess. And I know there's more to it than that. The burden on the healthcare system, blah blah. blah. It's a <laughs> more of a gut thing. All right. Um, so yeah, I, I, go Rangers. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and the final thing we got, which is from our friend and contributor Sarah Brinks. Oh, all right. Um, I'm comfortable saying last names when they appear on our website multiple times a week. Sometimes. Yeah. She made us a card. Okay. And now she made us hats before, right? Yeah. Yes. And when I say she made us a card, like she bought a card, I'm guessing, and then like <laughs> fucking stitched. It says, congratulations on six years of great podcasts. Oh. It's stitched on a thing that's sewn into the card. Wow. It's amazing. I want to... Look. If only if, we if put as much... Send me a card, you know, birthday, Christmas, whatever. Yeah. Keep it for a few days, maybe a week. Yeah. And I throw it away, you know? I'm keeping this. Yeah. It makes me wish that I... We, we should put, put it, as much... it in your office. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You should take this with you when you leave. What I was going to say is uh, it makes me wish that we had put as much effort into those six years of podcasting as she did into that card. Because <laughs> uh, spending 25 minutes on bullshit, uh, as we have just now, I'm sure uh, most people aren't thrilled with that. I, I don't care. Because um, seriously, like, I know yeah. we, did it, we, we got sappy and stuff and did the six years last week, but like, uh, we, we may not be major mega podcasting stars, but like, we know and have friendships with people like sarah and i think that's a pretty awesome testament to what battleship retention has done for us and what podcasting has done mm-hmm. at some point we probably not this episode because i don't have the information directly in front of me at some point we should probably make people aware of that uh, stupid horseshit uh, lawsuit that's uh, going on right now uh, it's not affecting us no but it's affecting it's it's going to start affecting people we know and no, it's just right, something right. that uh, you know i mean somebody could sign a petition you know what the hell like we should try to throw what no, little weight right. we have. I, I, I was being, you know. I was being uh, flip about it. Okay, um, uh, it, it, it is, a, it is a big deal. But I think I haven't fully like let it. I haven't fully believed that it's ever going to amount to anything because it seems so 
ridiculous. It 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 is, but this uh, company, Personal Audio, has uh, sued successfully sued people in the past before. By successful, I mean you know settled out of court and stuff. But still, like, and you know, podcasters, with the exception of maybe Adam Carolla, do not have the type of money yeah. to settle something, and it doesn't hurt them. So yeah, it's uh, so it's wait, worth, wait, yeah. You can look it up. It's it's um yeah. There's it's called what we, patent trolling. Yeah, patent trolling, where basically not uh, not the good kind of trolling that I like to indulge. Right, right, yeah. This Twi- like Twitter uh, trolling. Yeah, this actually hurts people. Yeah, you know. Basically, these companies buy up really vague patents uh, on something that they did not actually create. They don't hold the patent on it, and then they will like retroactively sue somebody that that might incorporate uh, that 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 might in some way infringe on once again, this vague patent. And so this company called personal audio, uh, bought up a patent on, uh, again, it's very vaguely worded, but basically like RSS feed technology mm-hmm. specifically with audio. And, uh, and so now they're, I think they're incorporating, um, what is it? How, what is it? Uh, how stuff gets made. How stuff works. How stuff works. Pardon me. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and Adam Carolla, and I think a couple other, you know, bigger podcasts. And I think they're actually, they are pursuing that. So there's that. And then there's, uh, there's a, uh, an act. I don't know what you'd call it. Not necessarily an amendment, but there's, there's a, uh, both a Republican and, and a uh, democratic sponsored, uh, bill. That's what it is. A bill about that, uh, really, um, penalizes, uh, patent trolling. So, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there are petitions that you can sign. Look it up. Uh, it's it's worth your time because uh, the more you read about it, the more uh, frustrating it can get. Yes. It's it is not really going to affect us, but yeah. But I, I was again, I was I don't want to sound heartless when I no, joked because it really is a bad thing. It is going to it could affect people that we yeah uh, care about yeah. All right. Um, in somewhat lighter legal news, I don't know if you heard about this today, but uh, there's a bill being introduced into the California Senate to change California's uh, liquor laws so that bars can stay open until 4, like they do in Chicago and New York and uh, other big cities. All right. Um, and I am I am all for it. And I say it's, like, lighthearted, but I am all for it in, for a number of reasons. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I won't go into it here. I could do a whole other podcast about how... Uh, you know what? I will go into it a little bit. Because okay. I'm annoyed... I get annoyed by Angelinos a lot, especially like this time or the time of year that just ended, which is flu season. Mm-hmm. If you work in an office, which I know you get, you get to work at home, um, God God forbid you sniffle or cough in an office. People act like you like you're carrying the plague. Yeah, it's 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 laughable. It's pitiful. I pity yeah. those people for for that, and I kind of feel like. It's the same thing. Maybe it's the fact that I can't. I come from. I'm sure I've talked about it before. Missouri, where which has among the most relaxed liquor laws in the country, and where um, drinking is a pretty standard part of life. Um, that I don't equate drinking with being a drunk. Mm-hmm. I consider myself a drinker, but I don't actually get drunk very often at all. I drink a lot. You know, I, dr- I have a dr- at least a drink a day mostly, most of the time, uh, if not more. But I don't, I'm not, a, I, I, I don't get drunk, and I and I and I feel like uh, Los Angeles gets a little, uh, a little too, Angelinos get a little too prickly about the drinking issue. Uh, it's 
it, it, it seems to set people off a little more. This, so what you're this, saying this, is this, there, there's more of this concern because these people are all, you know, so there's so health, con- health conscience out, conscious out here. Uh, the, despite burgers with pulled pork and mac and cheese on them, uh, I mean that, that's <laughs> but that's just I, for one month. It, Legally, it can't be more than that. No, it's uh, I'm getting so off on a tangent, but it's one of the great dichotomies that I love about Los Angeles is it's maybe the most health conscious place in the country, but also, and I will fight for this: best burgers in the country are in Los Angeles. Uh, obviously, we have In and Out, we have the best burger chain, okay. uh, but that you know those exist outside of Los Angeles, but. We've got, uh, you know, I think, I don't know, I don't want to go into uh, all of it, but we've got a great burger culture out here. And I have a whole idea as to why. Because burger culture grew as a part of American identity at the same time as car culture, and car culture grew at the same time that Los Angeles was a boomtown. Los Angeles is the first real car city, uh, and uh, it's made for a a great atmosphere of uh, burgers and Americana amidst the bullshit new agey uh health conscious yoga spiritualism meditation bullshit that uh persists in los angeles there's there's the troll it was just it was just a matter of time just let him talk for long enough about something that isn't movies and uh, and it'll show up but anyway let the bars open till four it doesn't mean that everyone's suddenly going to stay out till four and drink for two more hours it just means that drinking isn't something you have to cram in before two it's it's more just a part of the night and you can leave whenever and not have this like pressure of being rushed out at one thirty when bars really close around here and it's good for the economy uh it is good for the economy yes and uh, uh and good for tourism anyway that's that's that uh one, one other thing I have a segue. Oh, I'm not going to believe this. Thank God. All right. One other thing that I like about 4, a, 4 a.m. bars is that, uh, like, one thing that bums me out now in Los Angeles about seeing a movie, especially about seeing a midnight movie, mm-hmm. is that you can't go get a drink afterwards. Ah, yes. You know? Because, like I said, I mean, technically last call is two, but the bars, they really close at one thirty, one forty-five, which is also bullshit. But, um... And also, in the spring, in the fall, when you fall back an hour, the bars don't stay open an extra hour, which is bullshit. Anyway, um, but, uh, uh, you know, when you go see a midnight movie, you can't go get a drink afterwards. If you had the the the, the 4 o'clock thing, you, you, you could. You know, you could cram in more movies. And it made me think about a movie that I watched a few years ago called Cinemania. Okay. I don't know if you've seen it. No, but I think you told me about it. Uh, it's really fascinating. It, it follows these... Four people, four New Yorkers, who basically dedicate their lives to going to see as many movies as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, one of them is this guy who's like aunt left him a lot of money, so he basically decided like I don't have to work for if I can live cheap, I don't have to work for X number of years, and I can just go see. And he would like these people literally go see three movies a day, sometimes like seven days a week, three or four movies a day. And they have their own sort of like, you know, a lot of them mostly go to like revival houses, only see things. Uh, well, I mean, I, I say only see, see, see things on film at the time the movie was made 10 years ago. That's pretty much everything was still pretty much uh, being projected yeah. um, more than 10 years ago. I think it's 02. Anyway, um, some people like do the theater hopping at, uh, at 
you know the local AMC or whatever the chain is in New York City, um, and and see like you know one guy, like this one guy is seeing. Uh, you know the young girls of Rochefort or whatever, and the other guy is seeing what's the worst that could happen <laughs> because that's what happens to be. Let me ask playing. you a question real quick, and I don't want to. I, I want to try and stay as on topic as possible because I don't want to ruin your segue. But uh, if you had the opportunity to see three movies a day, would you do that? I've thought about that. I don't think I would. Because I, I think feel I would like for a while. To... There yeah. are times when I really wish that I could. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, oh, there are also times that I like, you know having a girlfriend and walking my dog and going to get burgers with friends and, yeah. and like, like you need, you need stuff. an actual, okay. Not to say like, ah, hey, these guys have no life, but there is such a thing as life and you need something to compare movies to, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. And so yeah. I don't know. I just feel like you might lose perspective. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I really, I get it. Uh, I get the desire. Um, and, and I think, Left unchecked, I, and with enough money and free time, if the, if the circumstances were right, I could become one of those people. I don't know that I'd be happy though. And I also wonder, like, I mean, if you're watching three movies a day, and I understand, like, there's film festivals, people do that sometimes. And not like but sitting it's at not, home, like going to see three yeah, movies yeah. a day. Yeah, yeah. But like, I almost feel like it. It doesn't give each movie its due. Like filmmakers, when they make movies, they're not anticipating that you're going to see two other movies that day. Like. They're, they're assuming you're going to see that movie and that you're going to hopefully think about it the rest of that day. You're not going to think about it up until the next movie starts. Like, I just feel like uh, you need a little bit of time to, to digest. Yeah. And if you're seeing three movies every day, then after a certain point, I just feel like you're just going down a checklist and you're not really letting yourself digest. That's a good point. I don't know. I've, well, I think obviously there's some uh, obsessive uh, and compulsive behavior involved in that. And yeah. That that matches up with your going down a checklist yeah. analogy. Uh, anyway, anyway, this documentary though, Cinemania, is um, is what our topic is today. Yeah, fits into our our topic. So let's get into it, shall we? This is your idea. I, I was trying to think of you were calling them special interest documentaries. Well, I think human in, human interest. Is, human interest. I, I went I like back and that. forth like between it. special interest and human interest. I was because also thinking like slice of life, but that's a bit different. It's not far far off, but we're thinking in the same way, which is. Yeah. You know, when you watch a human interest story on the news or read about one like on CNN or something like that, invariably that's the stuff that gets read or watched the most. I mean, you watch, uh, you know, you read anything about like the downfall of journalism and it's always it's almost always uh, that human interest stories get a lot of play. Yeah. More so than like hard hitting stuff. And so that has had an impact on. I think probably more than any genre of film, probably the documentary genre, because they're so, these days especially with digital technology, they're so easy to make. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're hard to execute, but you know you don't have yeah, to worry yeah. about raising a lot of money. All you really need is a lot of commitment. Like that guy who made a documentary about you. <laughs> oh yeah, we never, yeah, we yeah. We talked about that last week. We, did, did, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he was very committed to that. <laughs> um, my here are my criteria when I was looking, deciding what movies to talk about. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, my main criteria, uh, or my, my main criterion was that the subject of the documentary was not someone who was already a known or public figure in any way. Right. That's the main thing. After that. It's the idea that that person is either into a thing or has a job that is 
odd or compelling. Yeah. That, that's basically how I, how I did this. Okay. Yeah, that's probably about right. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, I know it was your topic, but you gave me a, kind of a place to start um, in that you talked about it being easier lately, you mm-hmm. know, and I was looking, yeah, a lot of mine are from the 90s on. Yeah. Uh, in fact, yeah, all of mine but one is from the 90s on. And I, I realized that, um, obviously it fits in other things, but based on my criteria, Robert Flaherty's Nanak of the North kind of fits in that uh, Nanak is not a known figure and right. that his way of life is idiosyncratic to the to the viewer. And I don't know if you've seen Nanak of the North, but it's... It, I've seen uh, extended clips of it, but I never saw the whole thing. Because it is... Um, uh, obviously, it's more, or at least, I don't know, there's a lot to say about Nanak of the North that doesn't necessarily fit in this episode, and we wouldn't want to stray at all, right? <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, it's more anthropological than it is idiosyncratic, but it is, it's not a dry documentary. It's highly entertaining. Yeah. Probably because a lot of it was staged. But, um, uh, it's it's... Uh, it's highly entertaining. It's 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 fun, and there's a f- there's a fun aspect to the idea of seeing the weird thing that or, or weird to the viewer, the, the, this different thing, uh, and and having fun and seeing these people indulge in the thing that makes them unique from the viewer. And and so the, I just wanted to sort of point out that going all the way back, there is yeah. roots in documentary filmmaking of this kind of thing. Well, and I think. I, with your um, the way you identify these, I would agree with all of them, but I would add one more thing, which is, and I guess we can sort of discuss this a little bit. Uh, it, these movies are relatively low stakes, mm-hmm. by which I mean, fog of war, high stakes, capturing the freedmen's high stakes, yeah, Restrepo, high stakes, yeah, okay, wordplay. Not high stakes. Well, it's funny. You mentioned... Very important to the people in the film. Um, And in some cases, it could be like an interesting job somebody has. But when... Or or something that's passion... You know, that that somebody's passionate about. You know, there could be a documentary about like film criticism and and podcasters. You and I could be in it. This is all very high stakes for us. But ultimately, like... We're not sick. We're not going to die. Everything's fine. Well, that... um, You mentioned... um, Which one? You mentioned Fog of War. And that... I'm going to leap right into what I think is maybe the best example, the best movie of these these kinds of movies, or one of the two best. And it's uh, also an Errol Morris film. It's Fast, Cheap, and Out of Control. Which I never saw. Which is, it's exactly this. It's about, I can't remember, I haven't seen it in a while since, since college, uh, or, you know, not that I saw it in college, but college years. Um, so there's like four or five different subjects, and the idea is they just all have weird jobs mm-hmm. uh or or interesting jobs one guy is a a topiary to, topiaryist i don't know a guy who does like topiary sculptures yeah. like, you know uh, another guy like creates uh or like studies naked mole rats another guy like creates uh robots to explore like f- uh distant planets uh, mm-hmm. and stuff like that it's all these like weird little jobs um but then he treats it the high stakes thing he treats it like 
the fog of war mm-hmm. he the music is incredibly sort of you know pulsing and and uh what's what i'm looking for uh lots of lots of crescendos and and, yeah. and, and uh, it sort of rides these these waves and the the cinematography is i think by robert richardson like <laughs> not, not a low stakes <laughs> yeah, yeah you know shoot like uh shoot from the hip on the fly cinematographer <laughs> like yeah. it's uh very beautifully composed and, and the stakes seem very high and that's part of the fun of it because it's just about the weird jobs yeah. but you see how when you were saying like you were saying it is very important to them yeah and that's and i think just kind of making a, a quick list i've been sort of making a mental list um for the last few weeks knowing that we'd be talking about this soon um and then just uh just jotted thing things down when i when i arrived and uh yeah it's you know it, it is weird you know if you just scroll through netflix in the documentary section yes you'll see stuff like five broken cameras and mm-hmm. uh restrepo and and that sort of thing but you will find movies that you didn't know existed uh-huh. about somebody who loves video games or something like that. Or um, Rockfire or, Explosion. Oh, I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Which uh-huh. I still haven't seen. I told you about it. And I I, I, oh, man. Oh, oh, we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, but, like, and what's interesting is I find myself, like, you know, there are movies that I will need to, like, review for the site. And I'll be like, well, I could watch that, but that sounds pretty taxing. What the hell is this? A documentary about Monopoly? <laughs> I don't even really like Monopoly, but you know what? It's 80 minutes. Click. <laughs> and just, you know, and, and it, it really just does, it appeals to this thing inside of us. Even, you know, even people like me who I tend to like movies that can be kind of emotionally intense. Yeah. But man, I do like a, like a light movie about, you know, who gives a shit Monopoly. Uh-huh. Uh, and now the downside is a lot of these aren't that great. For example, Under the Boardwalk, the documentary about Monopoly. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a great name. I know. Oh, some of these are, are, have wonderful names. Um, but, uh, but the thing is, there are some that are really great, and the, you can tell the filmmakers have a respect for their subject, and they're trying to match their Let's subject. put a pin in that. Yeah. I want to come back to that later. Yeah, I'll definitely talk about it. But like... They're trying to match or at least capture their subject's passion for what they are doing. Uh, but then you'll run across some where they, they're they fascinated by their subject. Specifically, they're fascinated that their subject would do this thing, you know. And wanting to capture it is different than being fascinated by it because you can have a morbid curiosity. And there's a movie called uh, Special When Lit which is about uh, pinballers. Huh. And that one, it's, a, it's, it's interesting, but there's a little bit of, for lack of a better term, a little bit of judgment, I think. Or maybe not judgment, superiority in, on the part of the filmmaker, I think. Like, for example, there's a guy who, you know, is, uh, he's kind of a larger guy. He's not, you know, huge or anything, but he's, he's big and he's, and he's kind of awkward, as I hate to say it, as a lot of the subjects of these types of documentaries will be. Um, and the way he's sitting, his shirt is maybe a little bit too tight, and his belly is kind of uh, mm-hmm. protruding, like from under his shirt. And you know what? I hate to say it, but like any other filmmaker would be like, "Oh, hey, by the way, you're, you know, like it's right, right, right." But clearly, they're just like, "Oh, this is great. 
Uh-huh. Like this captures who this guy, who I think this guy is. Now, yeah. maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into it, but part of me is like, that's that's kind of a shitty thing to do. Like this can happen to anybody, but because this guy happens to be really passionate about this thing that maybe you don't totally understand, and like you really are trying to make this guy out to be like comic book guy from The Simpsons. Yeah, and that and that whole that whole documentary was kind of interesting, but then that choice and a couple others here and there, that choice made me like, oh. I, this filmmaker is simply trying to make just one of these documentaries. I feel like he does not understand what these people are trying to do. And I feel like he does not sympathize with them. I think he judges them and, uh, it makes it, it ruined that film for me. You know, I'll, I'll say a similar thing about a movie that I actually really like, in fact, love, um, and that you mentioned as one of the top examples, which is the King of Kong, a fistful mm-hmm. of quarters. Now I don't think that, um, uh, I've forgotten the director's name, Seth, Seth Gordon, Seth Gordon. I don't think that he has, disdain but i think in the interest of forcing into shape um a very distinct narrative yeah he oversimplifies both of his characters he makes billy mitchell too much of a villain not Mm -hmm. not human enough and also does not spend enough time focusing on steve weeby and the way that as much as he is a nice guy compared to billy mitchell like his weird nerdy obsession like takes him away from his family for hours at a time. It, it like there's things that you see hints of yeah. that I think Seth Gordon was willing to shunt off to the side in the interest of uh, again f- forcing into shape a narrative. Which is why, and by the way, I'll, I'll I will very briefly say that there's a movie called Chasing Ghost, which doesn't incorporate Billy Mitchell, but basically all of like this collection of probably like 15 uh, guys who in the early 80s you know there were teenagers and they were like the video game champions of the time and so it interviews them now and interviews and and talks about that era when these people were you know they'd show up on talk shows because they were so good at video games and that was such a novel idea and Uh so this movie chasing ghosts is actually it's pretty good um and i and you get to see some of billy mitchell and and i have not seen king seen king of kong but i saw him in this and i was like oh this is that guy that everyone's talking about it's like i see it but when you talk to all these other guys about him, they're all of them are like, "Well, he's clearly the best." Yeah. Like, and so you kind of see where the ego. I comes really want from. to try his hot sauce. Yeah, yeah, I know. If I liked I hot can, sauce, you can order I feel it. like yeah, I think so. Um, the, the hot sto- hot sauce store at the Grove doesn't have it. Oh man, you been to that that store? No, of course not. It's a store. <laughs> I know it's. I, I think if you like, it's probably a hacky thing to point out, but it's a store that sells nothing but hot sauce. There are people that love all kinds of like that. Is a there's yeah. a documentary in there too, by the way. I'm sure. Yeah, probably. But um, yeah, here's the thing: I, I love hot sauce too, but I'm not interested in, and I don't think I fully understand just trying to get the hottest hot sauce. I like mm-hmm. hot sauce because I like the flavors that it imparts, but like a lot of these like hot sauces have these really disgusting names like like sphincter destroyer or something like that it's like yeah. it's like the idea is still that i'm gonna eat this right yeah well <laughs> after a certain point it's just it's like what well, you're are you trying to pr- you're trying to prove something <laughs> yeah, yeah are you trying to prove that you're like a man or something i don't yeah, understand I don't, I don't get that. um but anyway uh i did want to so i want to touch on that briefly but i did want to uh kind of piggyback on what you were talking about with king of kong and that like there was a clear narrative that the filmmaker clearly wanted to 
to focus on and in doing so push certain things off to the side. And one of the reasons that I like the American Scream is that it doesn't do that. And in fact, it plays with the structure. It plays with our expectations of these types of movies. And, you know, for those that haven't seen it, I wrote a, rev- I wrote a very late review of it on, on the website, but it's, it's on Netflix Watch Instant, as many of these are, by the way. Yeah. Um, and it is worth watching. I think it's a wonderful yeah, film. Yeah, that's the American Scream. Yeah. It's about home haunters. Yeah. So people who turn their homes into uh, haunted houses for their communities and stuff. So it focuses on three separate uh, people, three separate guys who do this. All, all in one small town. Yeah. In, and, uh, is it Maine or Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, and each one is like, they're they're all very committed to this. Of course, some of them are better than others. Mm-hmm. But, and what's interesting is like, it it delves into their commitment levels and then it I, I like movies that reveal things over time I like it when when especially when documentaries do it I like that when you think you have this person figured out and then you remember and then something else is revealed and you're like oh never mind uh-huh. I thought and that could be po- positive or negative like oh I, I like this guy and then something else comes out and you're like oh hmm well that's not great or like, oh, this guy's an asshole. And then something else comes out. You're like, uh, okay, you know what? Yeah. That's understandable. Because like in, in, this, in this film especially, there's a guy who is by far the best of the home haunters. Yeah, yeah. And he's really, I mean, he's good at it. He's genuinely good at it. And he's really committed to it. But you also see the toll that it has taken on his family. Mm-hmm. And you think like, man, this guy is an asshole. But then you, you hear more about his childhood. And you see... You you just see the I mean you you talked about it uh, I think on the show that like at the end of the film when everyone's walking through the haunted house and they're and they're screaming like he has tears in his eyes because he just loves it I by the way yeah because he just loves it so much and you realize like you know I could judge this guy or I could think about the sheer number of times that my wife has secluded herself in the bedroom so that you and I could record our podcast yeah. and realize, you know, maybe all of us kind of do this to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, and it's such a, but, but that's the, that's the key is the film makes you feel secure in what you're sure you know about these people. And then it undercuts that. That's why it's such a good film. Yeah. Not merely because, because some of these are just content to just show their subject and that's it. But I think uh, Michael Stevenson, who also made Best Worst Movie and was incidentally the kid from Troll 2, mm-hmm. um, he, uh, I think he really tried to do something and I, I'm interested to see what he'll do next because I think he's turning into a pretty good filmmaker. Well, that idea of judging is what I want to talk about, what I said to put a pin in. Because I want to talk briefly or, or at length, what do I care? about what I think is, at, uh, along with Fast, Cheap, and Out of Control, the best example of this of this sub-genre, and that's Chris, Smith's, is Chris, Chris Smith's American movie. Yeah, that one's pretty great. And I think that one gets a lot, a, a lot of... Its detractors um, are quick to say that it's making fun of its subjects. And I've always felt the risk of being mean to people who don't like American movie for that reason. I've always felt that says more about the detractor than about the movie mm-hmm. because I don't think American movie is mean to its subjects. And I think if you think it's being mean, then you're the one who's looking down at them. 
That's how I feel about it. Possibly, yeah. I, I think that Chris Smith loves these guys, just as I do. Yeah. Uh, and I think he understands. Maybe it's because they're they're aspiring filmmakers, but I think he understands their... This is what I'm talking about, trying to capture the passion instead of merely being curious about it. And I think he understands that passion. I think he's trying to capture it. And I think he does. Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, it is an incredibly funny movie. Um, but... Uh, that and, and it is often because they're saying things that are inadvertently funny, like when when Mike wins two hundred dollars in the scratch and he says, "Don't tell those other guys though, because they'll want to borrow money from me." Yeah. And just and the whole thing and it's early. It's like the one of the opening things where uh, Mark Borchardt is looking through mail. Oh yeah, and he's like and he's talking about like just looking at all these bills, and then uh, and then he looks. He's like. Your something something Mastercard has been arrived uh, has arrived. He's like, oh, kick fucking ass! I got a Mastercard. Ah, uh, life is pretty cool sometimes. It's like it's basically like, here's some debt. Here's debt. Here's debt. Here's a way to get more debt. Hey, all right, <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like that. Like it's funny, but it's not funny laughing at them. It's funny because some people in your life are just funny. Yeah, yeah. They may not know it. But sometimes they just are, yeah. you know, and it's, I think it's like that. Yeah, when he says, when he's going off about, like, how he can't afford to finish the movie, and he's saying, like, saying, like, I can't put, like, a title card, like, suddenly explaining what would have been on the screen if we had more money. He's like, I've been, he's like, I've seen thousands of movies. I've never seen that happen. Oddly <laughs> and, enough, he must not have seen uh, one of the uh, cuts of Metropolis. Right, no, yeah. But, um, like, the way he's... Very upset and making a point that you yeah. are fully on board with him with, and he's saying it in a funny way. Oh yeah, because he's just a funny guy. Yeah, and it's just Ugh. and it's and it's interesting because I think the film also acknowledges that like this guy knows what he's talking about because I mean his when he talks about his influences, of course he 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 rattles off like these horror movies that everybody's seen, but then he talks about uh, <laughs> he talks about like a visual style that he wants, and he brings up Manhattan. Uh-huh. It's like, what, wait, what? <laughs> the hell? I thought you were talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre a minute ago. And it's like, but he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and yeah. then, of course, he also just talks. That's in the same sense that he's like, he's like he goes, now what we're going to want is we're, we're going to want to get some really killer interiors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. He expresses himself humorously, but he's not dumb. No. And I think by showing that like, oh, well, he does have an appreciation for film beyond just kind of, if you'll pardon me, the kind of horror fanboy thing that he would at first appear to be. And so, yeah, I, I think I think that is a, a great example of what we're talking about. It's fairly low stakes, but it's big, it's high stakes for him. And uh, and it really and I mean, it's absolutely a slice of life and a slice of a certain area. Yeah, I got uh, I uh, he called my video store once. Mark Borchardt. How's he doing? I, I only got to... I, I answered the phone. He said... Uh, he asked if the employee that he was calling for was there. And I said yes and handed it off to her. <laughs> How did he know her? Um, she was actually um, trying to organize a film festival um, mm. at her college. That was like... It was going to be a... Uh, it was going to be in October. It was going to be a sleepover, like a, a shut-in. Mm-hmm. At the, like the gym at the college and they were going to show horror movies all night and she wanted um mark and mike to come down and be like the sort of keynote speakers and oh like that'd be awesome curated and they were all for it i think the college ended up saying for insurance reasons they didn't want to do the the, the shut-in Boo. yeah 
it, it would have been would have been really cool. But yeah, yeah. so she awesome. was organizing that, and he and I guess she gave him. This was not before everybody had a cell phone, I guess, and she gave him the video store's number in case she wasn't at home, and so he called the video store, and I answered. You remember the old days when uh, I apologize uh, for bringing this up if it's uh, you know painful to think about, but your uh, former girlfriend uh, Teresa and the Leprechaun. Yeah. By the way, that the former girlfriend is the person I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, I forgot that you worked with her. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, no, I remember we did only one Leprechaun, and uh, yeah, because it was. A per- I feel like uh, we can just take that right and just uh, try to do it again. Yeah, she's not doing anything with it. It was a perfect thing because my old building had uh, this huge um, rec room you could rent out. Yeah. We had um, a, a projector, although it didn't work all that well. Mm. Occasionally, I don't know if you remember during the Leprechaun, there were times we had to like reboot it because it would just like... I think it like overheated or something Yeah, like it would that. just like go fractal and then like shut down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did a thing and I'm sure we talked about it on the show. I think the we did. Um, but for those new listeners, we did a thing basically it was, um, we just like started in the morning or early afternoon or something and showed, uh, all six Leprechaun movies like from DVD projected Yeah, and people brought food and stuff and you could like, uh, um, there was like a photo booth and there was all kinds of fun stuff. But the idea was that it was like a, um, uh, like one of those things where you get sponsored for every mile that you walk or yeah. whatever. And I think like, so it was like sponsored per, I don't know if it was per movie or per I think it was hour. per movie. Cause I think I got somebody to sponsor me like five bucks a movie. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, and so the longer you hung in there, the more money you raised for this, uh, for the, it was for a two six LA, uh, uh, a charity, uh, mm-hmm. here in, here in Los Angeles. Yeah. I feel like we have enough good relationships with enough, Maybe enough venues. We could probably make that work again. I feel like we could work with Cinefi. That's this is off air conversation. Um, <laughs> okay. but, uh, but anyway, I'm sorry. Moving on. Um, yeah. So I wanted to bring up a, a couple, a couple others. Um, because uh, yeah, there's like chasing ghosts. There's under the boardwalk. There's wordplay. There's you know all this there's stuff. There's also word wars. Which word wars? About yes. Enough. Have you seen which that is, one? That's a Scrabble one. Yeah. Right? yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's. I loved. It. I never actually never saw wordplay. I know a lot of people love it. I, I, wordplay is interesting. It. Uh, I love Word Wars so much. I love those guys, um, and I've um, I love that one of the guys is named GI Joe. Do you ever GI Joe? <laughs> I've not seen it in many years. He's named GI Joe not because of any ar- army thing, but because he has a gastrointestinal disorder that causes him to burp constantly, like while he's playing. <laughs> so GI stands for gastrointestinal. <laughs> yes, and he's that's like, right. It's kind of disgusting. Like he's one of the main guys in the film, and he's constantly like belching. How and did you get I get used to it? But like, maybe I didn't see this movie. I feel like I'd remember that. Maybe <laughs> I'm getting it mixed up with something. Yeah, he's a and a. a uh, it's it's that World Wars is super cool, and I hope that's on. It's the Scrabble Netflix. one, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I think I saw it. How did I forget GI the I burping guy? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, that's crazy. Okay. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, there's a couple of movies and I'm near the end I didn't have a huge list but we don't want to go too long anyway um, there's a couple movies that I thought of that I think fit fit the criteria in the early going but then the stakes do actually become quite high and I'm not sure if you I've got one or two like if that if you would agree and the two I've got another Errol Morris one Mr. Death which is about this like weird guy who invents 
uh, or who like makes you know um, electric chairs and and yeah. like uh, for for capital punishment, but then it becomes and this then whole it takes thing. A weird turn. Yeah, about how he's a Holocaust denier, and yeah. um, it, it does take a weird turn. And then the other one, uh, which is I don't really feel bad saying I still find this movie very funny and very tragic, which is Vernon Herzog's Grizzly Man. Oh, yeah. Because Timothy Treadwell is exactly the type of guy one of these movies would be made about. Mm-hmm. But there's also the fact that he was killed doing the thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that lends that lends another, um, you know, uh, another layer to it. But that doesn't... I don't think I'm disrespecting the memory of Timothy Treadwell when I say that he is often very funny in the way that a Mark Borsher or these other guys oh, yeah, yeah. are. Because he's, he's an eccentric... And I do think that uh, the reason that uh, Herzog was attracted to him is because I think he can relate to some of that, uh, a very, uh, I guess you could say passion, but also just a deep sadness and just a feeling like like you don't really belong in this world, uh, that you can't really relate to other people and that you just uh, just desire to to get away and find where you do belong. I think I think Herzog understands that. I mean, he tells... He's told that story in his own movies uh, a few times, and yeah. so, well, so I think he that relates I, that to I put it. On so my list here is um, Encounters at the End of the World, mm. which is a bit different than the other ones we're talking about because it's not about a specific person or even a small group of specific people. It's about a whole large group of people who mm-hmm. spend half the year working in Antarctica. Yeah, um, but I still think it does fit the mold and is. Um, one of my favorite Werner Herzog documentaries, actually. You know, as I was making my list, I realized that a lot of my, a lot of my selections are relatively low ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not. Pardon me, that's not the right way, right way to say it. They're low in scale. So, of course, Encounters at the End of the World is not right. that. Um, but did we real quick before we move on? Do we have anything else to say about Grizzly Man or Mr. Death? Like, is it is it okay? I, did, I guess is what I'm saying. Because I said I feel okay with it, about about finding these movies funny, but um, in a larger discussion, is it okay to find these movies funny? Oh sure, I mean it, it, it's there. I mean you can find something funny as long. I mean you can, as friend of the show Kyle Kinane does, you can laugh at the tragedy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I maybe don't think that's the best attitude, but obviously he, I think he's being mostly facetious. But like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, you're the the better movies will try to capture, especially when it's a portrait of a person. Um, I think it will try to show every aspect of this person. If that person is funny, whether on purpose or otherwise, um, then that's that's part of it. And so you can yeah. laugh at what this person has said. You can laugh at some of their attitudes, you know. And then at some point, they they cease to be funny. It's not like they yeah. continue to be funny and you choose to stop laughing after a certain point. Like once this guy stops, you know, starts denying the Holocaust or once this other guy gets killed by bears, I think it's perfectly fine to say, oh, this isn't this isn't funny now. But that doesn't mean you have to like retroactively feel bad about laughing. Yeah, that's true. And to go back to American movie, that's uh, I mean, everyone, everyone survives that movie. Yeah. But um, it's certainly not without sadness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, there actually is. I mean, there is a death in oh. it you don't see it yeah that's right but you know a, a, a i'll say character a character in the film that is often quite funny mm-hmm. um it is revealed that he 
passes away shortly after the uh shortly after the movie is over. That's right. And so and that adds such a man, I haven't seen that movie in years. I gotta rewatch that. But um but yeah, and so so I did want to uh rush through a couple of these. So um because so far a lot of what we've talked about is people's interests, you know, um, and not a lot of like people's jobs, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, usually it's usually a lot of these movies are what people choose to spend their money on as opposed to how they make their money. And so, um, so there was, uh, an interesting movie that actually might fit with, uh, what we've been talking about a movie called clean flicks, which hang on a second. Yes. Okay. I think one of the, I think one of the producers or one of the directors might be a listener. Okay. Are I don't recall shit about this movie. Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. Um, but I just I just remember the oh yeah, and I've met and I'll talk about another movie in which I've met the the director. Um, Hollywood, it's awesome. But <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, Clean Flicks is I'll say this it's it's not a movie that I think is is perfect. I think it has some. Some slight structure issues, which I believe I actually uh, emailed or tweeted uh, to the guy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's about these uh, companies in the early 2000s, uh, in the early aughts, pardon me, um, these companies that would edit out the, the naughty bits mm-hmm. of rated R and PG-13 movies. Right. Uh, and these were, I believe, Mormon-based companies. Um, but I had heard about it. Come on. We might have Mormon. I know we have Mormon <laughs> listeners. Again, it's okay. like the Veronica Mars thing. I'm just being a troll. Fair enough. Um, oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I I knew plenty of, uh, you know, Christians who uh, loved the idea of these companies and that sort of thing. Um, I think, uh, well, on the topic of documentaries, it's not one of these, but I saw that documentary 8, which is about how a lot of oh, yeah, yeah. Mormon money from outside of California came in to... Uh, you know, to to uh, pass Proposition Eight. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I do have a bad connotation. Not really knowing any Mormons, I think I think oh, those are the people who don't want gay people to marry. So I guess I do have a bad connotation with Mormons. I have a weird attitude towards that because part of me is like, well, put your money wherever you want, but leave, keep it in your state. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> like don't don't go. Car- what is it, carpetbagger? Yeah, like, yeah. Don't be carpetbagging with your money. Yeah. Like. If it comes to your state, then fight it there. Yeah. But anyway, that's kind of a weird attitude on my on my uh, on my point of view. But uh, so, but no, I knew plenty of I knew plenty of people who uh, liked the idea of that. And so, in watching uh, a movie about like the the people that uh, that made money, like the companies that made money, you know, editing uh, these films, and then the people that uh, ran video stores that uh, stores called like clean flicks and stuff like that. The stores were in like Mormon communities and they, they, the stores were known for carrying these movies. And so it was actually quite interesting. And for someone like me, quite infuriating because there's, Oh, I'm getting mad now. Did they cut out the sex and leave the violence? No, they cut out violence too. But, um, uh, I guess that's something. Yeah, I guess that's something. Here's what I'm going to say is, uh, like there's a, there's an episode, not an episode, pardon me. There's a scene where, um, a guy, 
a young, you know, a young guy, probably 20, talked about, he's like, oh, I love this. He's like, I, you know, I rented a couple like gangster movies, like Goodfellas and uh, The Godfather and, you know, and I can watch them. And part of me is like, and I, I believe I may have shouted at the screen. Uh-huh. I said, it's like, oh, yeah, good. So you can watch these movies without any consequences, <laughs> without any, any of the consequences of these people's actions. So now all you see is how cool they are without any of the... Uh, uh, gross, you know, uh, doing of drugs and uh, the horrible, violent deaths. Yeah, how long is Goodfellas in this? I have no idea. How is the there... story even? I don't know. There's drugs. There's sex. There's language galore, and there's violence. Like I don't know. Part I'm I'm morbidly curious. Yeah. To see to watch these and I see what see happens. These, yeah. But uh, but anyway, so that's so it, the thing that frustrated me was just like so you you want this but you don't. It's like maybe examine something underneath that says you want to watch this type of you know these characters make these choices. Like you want to live vicariously through these people, but you don't. Maybe not live vicariously, but like that that allure of like the gangster movie and the violence like you want that but you want you don't want to get too close to it i don't know where is this movie available clean clean flicks it's on netflix Uh, i want want to see it's worth watching but what's interesting is that uh the the film does take on uh i won't i won't spoil it since you just said you want to watch it um it does take on like we were talking about with uh mr death and that sort of thing um one of the exhibitors of uh of like one of the guys who who owns one of these stores uh like he is accused of of things and uh and it's it it takes a turn where suddenly it goes from relatively low stakes to very very high stakes wow and so um so it's and i do think actually that the film sort of starts to lose a little focus at that point um but it's still interesting and it's worth watching these places had to get sued right oh my yes they got sued by the directors guild um um uh, at the least I mean, the Directors Guild don't even own the rights to these movies. Right. I'm just... Okay, I know last year, or last week, I hinted at my job. I'll, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. mention again, like... It involves rights. Yeah, you can't just... <laughs> you can't just do that. The There's very specific versions that very specific people own the rights to. Well, and... and, wh- and yeah, you can't just go cutting up movies. One thing that was actually interesting... Is that after, at a certain point, the uh, the companies that make these they had an argument against the Directors Guild because the Directors Guild was basically they were saying no these are the movies that we made so and we don't want just any random person cutting this stuff out this is the movie we made and these companies they make an argument which I think is interesting which is well what about airplanes you're per- and TV you're perfectly fine with these cuts being made for airplanes and TV. How about this? You sell us those and we'll put those out. Like you're not against people cutting this stuff out. You're against us cutting it out because maybe you don't agree with why we're cutting it out. It's an yeah. interesting argument. And, and, and the fact that the movie includes it, I think is a I, but smart I still move. Think it's, it's wrong. I, th- I still think it's wrong, but I mean, those airline versions and the, and the television versions are, uh, overseen by the people who own the rights, the companies right. that own the rights. Yeah, and what they're saying is like we'd we'd be we'd be fine not doing this ourselves if you just let us buy those, and the com- and the companies weren't letting them do that. So it's like, well, there is an argument to be made. It's like there is 
I'm not I'm not sure if I go as far as say that there was like a, a hypocritical aspect to the Directors Guild and what they were saying. Um, but they were saying like, don't touch our movies. Like, well, you're already letting your movies be touched. Yeah. It's just by somebody that you're much more okay with touching, even though it's the, basically the same outcome. Yeah, I, I guess I don't see, I don't think that's hypocritical. I think they, they go in knowing that they know what sort of things are going to be cut before they make the movie. Yeah. They're not anticipating these sort of. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, and that's the thing is who knows? Like maybe this, uh, maybe these companies, which of course are, are, they're gone now, but, um, the, uh, maybe they, if they got the airline cut, they'd be like, ah, oh, this still is not appropriate. Yeah, they might cut them further. Who knows? But anyway, it's an interesting movie and it brings up some interesting questions. And, uh, and this is, and, and that's the thing, just because I say these movies are relatively low stakes, that doesn't mean that they don't ask some interesting questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, for, uh, any Christian listeners we have out there, there's a movie called Holy Rollers. um, that uh, is about Christians who learn how to count cards and they go in and play blackjack and they, it, it kind of stems from a hatred of casinos. So they basically just win a lot, win a lot of money counting cards, which is not technically illegal. Um, They're, they're, they're bleeding. What is it? Bleeding the pig? Sure. Is that a thing? Did you, um, did you ever read uh, Under the Banner of Heaven? No, I didn't. The book about Mormonism? No, I didn't. Or or not even one the the fundamentalists who were I started not, reading. Not I think I got like 3 chapters in back when we were you and I were going to do that book club thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh non-fiction book club. That was going to be fun. Um But yeah, there's a thing they talk about like uh you know, they these these like, you know, secluded camps all hate the government but they're all on welfare and like taking all these things and they don't have any problem with that and they call i think they call it bleeding the pig it's called something that they have a name for it hmm. yeah it's it's an interesting uh mindset and as it happens i uh i met the director through of course friend of the show josh fadum who apparently knows everybody um he knows everybody who's talented yeah i know it's it works out well and uh and as it happens the uh, the filmmaker is uh, he and his wife are uh, both Christians themselves, so uh, there was talk about them coming on more than one lesson, huh. and uh, and it's, that's an interesting film as well. And that brings up a number of uh, spiritual, moral, and, and uh, ethical questions about what these people are doing. Um, and that's just a very well made film in general. Um, so, and then there's a, a movie that we've talked about that is surprisingly good, that is very low stakes, but I think every film watcher. Every film, sh- every film fan should watch it, which is uh, The People versus George Lucas, um, uh, yeah. which is, you know, there have been a lot of movies made recently, but this is the only one that I've seen that are kind of about fanboys. Uh, there was Trekkies, which was made in like, I think the 90s, but then there was like, there's one about Comic-Con. There have been movies yeah. made about just comic book fans in general, um, but this is the only one of these that I've seen, um, and I think it's amazing. And it's, it, it's really cool, and really... Um, I think far more even-handed than I expected. Way more. It just, it explores, that's the thing, again, like these movies, they do explore things that, and they do ask questions that are that are worth asking, and one of the things that it explores is like the relationship between the, the artist and the audience, and like, how much do we, like, are we right to make demands of them? And are they right to, like, I don't know, not necessarily who pulls the strings, but who has right on their side. And then you kind of come to realize like, uh, no, neither party necessarily has, uh, has the right to say I've been wronged or, or whatever. Um, it's a, it's a very interesting film. And then I will end with a movie that I absolutely love called rock of fire explosion, which I still need to see. I, again, I told you about it. Yeah. 
And I still haven't seen it. I have seen it now three times. <laughs> it is a movie that... Now, admittedly, um, as I've mentioned uh, with my job, I uh, will sometimes have things on. Um, and so the first time I watched it, I actually watched it. And then I think I saw it twice more while working um, because there is a... When I'm working, there's a section where I spend about five minutes of work and then... I have to wait while things like render uh-huh. and then I can just look at what's on the screen while that's happening. So, um, so I watched it like that. And, uh, and that movie is, I'll say this, like structurally it could, you, it could be a little bit more informative. There are, there are jumps that you have to make. What's it about? Okay. When we were kids, there was a, there was Chuck E. Cheese and there was showbiz pizza mm-hmm. show. And they're basically, <coughs> Excuse me. Basically, the same type of thing, where there are these pizza places that had like games, and they had these animatronic shows that would happen like every, I don't know, like twenty minutes or something like that. And so with Showbiz, the uh, the guy who created that show, he you know it was this, it was like this band. It was like a gorilla and a wolf and a mouse, and they each of them had a specific character and a specific name, and uh, they had a, a very sp- specific type of personality. And Showbiz Pizza kind of blew up, and everybody knew about this animatronic animal band called the Rock of Fire Explosion. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so come to find out that uh, there are people who are obsessed with this. Um, to the point where, because eventually Showbiz went went under, mm-hmm. and the ro- and the Rock of Fire explosion, the band itself was uh, convert like Chuck E. Cheese like merged with Showbiz and then got rid of Rock of Fire explosion because they would have had to pay this guy for like the rights, so they turned it into like uh, the Chuck E. Cheese band or something like right. that. So no gorilla, no gorilla. I'm sorry, everybody. That was always my favorite part when I was a kid. Oh yeah, I like the gorilla. So you went to Showbiz. Oh yeah. Yeah, I went I went once or twice. Um I th- which is weird because like according to uh the according to the documentary like it was primarily like in the south and the midwest and I grew up in California but I specifically remember going to Showbiz Pizza and seeing the gorilla. So yeah. maybe it showed up one, you know, in one or two locations locations in California. Uh, yeah, I think my I, I must mention just at the end of it because I think my younger siblings, when they had birthday parties, went to birthday parties. It was Chuck E. Cheese by that point. Yeah, but it, when I was little, it was show, still Showbiz. Yeah, Showbiz. I think uh, went under like right around 1990. Yeah, that so makes sense. Um, but yeah, and so it's uh, so it's about the people that are obsessed with these things, and the, some of these people like save up money to buy the whole animatronic set, and they set it up in their garage. Uh-huh. Um, but then More it's more than one person. More than one person. <laughs> um, but then it also, the guy who created these characters and created this thing, like, you know, there was a while when he had a company with like 200 employees and they were just cranking these things out because showbiz was exploding like all over the, you know, all over the country and... Uh, in the world. And the world. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, because he mentions that he would ship them to various places in the, in the world. Because I think there's, I was reading, I don't know if this is in the documentary... But yeah. I was reading up on Showbiz Pizza, and I think there is still like a Showbiz Pizza in operation in like Lebanon or somewhere, because <laughs> maybe like the guy. I mean, like the franchisee just kept it going uh, after it was some. It was some place like that. I don't know if it's still, but for some time after Showbiz shuttered, there was still like one Showbiz Pizza in the, in the Middle East. 
David, you and I are going to Lebanon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and so the film talks about this guy's uh, career spiral because when showbiz goes belly up, like they, like he, he held on to rights, the rights for the characters and he was actually going to try and do something like artistic with the characters. Uh-huh. Um, because they they were still very like very much in the mindset of the culture, yeah. um, but stuff wound up it just wound up not happening. And I remember one review said that this guy in if he if things had gone one way instead of another way, this guy could have been a Jim Henson type. Mm. And and while and while the guy is kind of he's kind of strange and he's eccentric and at times a little egotistical, he's also a remarkably sensitive person. And you can tell. I mean, his heart is kind of broken about what happened. Not merely because things didn't go well for him but because you know he had a company that had 200 people and now the company has one employee him Mm. and it's it's quite sad um but the film is also just a celebration of this thing and and there's a guy one of these guys who uh one of these guys who uh has it in the in his garage and he uh (laughs) Uh, and he is very much the Mark Borchard type. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, you know, he's from the the deep South. He's got a very thick accent. Um, he talks about how he only ever drinks Mountain Dew. That's the only thing he drinks all the time. And, and it's just a, you know, it, you feel like the film's making fun of him, but like when you see him talk about this thing and he talks about like when he first, cause he saved up, he worked and saved up money to get this thing shipped to him. Mm-hmm. And then he opened it up and he like set it all up and he w- learned how the different, uh, how the electronics worked. He was not trained in that, but he learned how it worked. And he's like, the first time I plugged it in and I think it's more than one plug, you know what I mean? But like <laughs> the first time I set it up and I turned it on and they started doing the show, he's like, I just, I just sat and cried like a child. Like it was, I, I got something back that I never, that I thought I lost forever. And like in that moment, you realize like, no, this film's totally on board with this guy and recognizes that everybody has something like this. And That's that is awesome. something that I like about, and that, there's a reason that I wanted to end with that movie is because, you know, you watch it and it's actually quite an affecting movie and you realize like as one could say disposable as these types of movies are. There is a reason they're popular and it's because we've all got something. Yeah. If there is a documentary made about, I mean, we talked about it last week. If there is a documentary made about these adventure games, like computer <laughs> games and how they shaped some people like, Oh, I would want to be a part of it because you know, we have these things from like, not necessarily our childhoods. They could be things that we're excited about now, but uh, I don't know. There's something in, in a way it's like these movies are, the in many cases are the internet you know mm-hmm. uh, a way to look at people and say like oh you too yeah you love this thing too how amazing what was that website we used to read that was all like it would have like reviews of candy and oh oh uh xentertainment.com uh, is, yeah, that, is that still around uh it is i i haven't i haven't looked up looked it up in a long time and then like a month ago i looked it up and uh, i think it's still operational not under that heading it's under something else okay. but it's this guy matt something or other who uh lives in i think in, in new jersey and he just reviews this just various things like sometimes it's candy sometimes it's like a new toy sometimes a video game sometimes it's a movie um sometimes it's looking backwards like he'll review yeah. the garbage pail kids movie or something like yeah, that yeah he did um a breakdown of uh 
I can't remember did this come up on the show or maybe come in conversation, but the um, Robert Zemeckis did an episode of Amazing Stories, which is mm-hmm. a super cheapo show, but then they did one really expensive episode with like with Christopher Lloyd, where he's the teacher, and his oh, yeah, head yeah. comes off, and he's chasing the kids while carrying his head. Yeah, and X Entertainment did this like long breakdown with all these screenshots and all this stuff of the episode. That oh god, I used to I used to spend so much time reading X Entertainment. I had completely forgotten about it until just now. Yeah, back in the. Uh Back in the college days, like yeah. in between classes, I'd go to the computer lab and be like, oh, interesting. Yeah. He yeah. has, go back, because the, the, you know, a lot of those articles are still available. So do yourself a favor, uh, go back and read an article from 2003 mm-hmm. when the Hulk movie came out, Ang Lee's Hulk came mm-hmm. out, and then he reviews Hulk hands, <laughs> which, are, which are now, they've been repackaged because the Avengers... And basically, you know, it's these it's these big oh, yeah. giant Hulk hands that you can put on your fists, and he just reviews them, and it's hilarious. It's uh, one of the funniest things I've ever read. All right, uh, with those, I, I think this is a fun episode. I think we probably hopefully recommended a, lo- a lot of stuff. Yeah, that I think people so. Maybe have not seen, and if you have anything that um, you think fits that we didn't talk about, leave it as a comment on the website, please. That'd be a lot of a lot of fun to talk about these kind of documentaries. Uh, and other things like X Entertainment and other stuff, or 4 a.m. Last Calls, or any other things we went off on, Mormons, all that stuff. Oh, good. <laughs> no, uh, leave fun comments, please, and I'll try not to be mean about Mormons. Um, you can leave those comments at battleshippretension.com, where you can also read all sorts of reviews and find links to the other podcasts that are members of the fleet, such as the uh, aforementioned Autorcast, the... Uh, What's, we got a tour cast, we got sequel cast, we got Q the Day, we got What the Fuck Are You Watching? Q the Day is not uh, functioning at the moment. What, what is with those guys? I don't know. They got it up and running. Well, the thing is, the website is not uh, yeah. working, but I think you can still subscribe. It's a great show. Yeah. Very, very well produced. Yeah. So Hold on. Did I miss any? I feel like I missed something. What the Fuck Are You Watching? Yeah. Q the Day, yeah. which we're working on. Sequel cast, a tour cast. Sequel cast, a tour cast. Well, there's one... That just hasn't been updated in a while. Is it previously on? That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> someday. Someday, my friend. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, that's at BattleshipRetention.com. You can email me, David, at BattleshipRetention.com. Email Tyler at Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. Follow me on Twitter at ThePretension. Follow Tyler at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at MoreThanOneLesson.com. And my other podcast, which is not officially dead, is previously on. That's at previouslyonshow.com. I don't think I've updated it since December. December 1st, yes. December 1st was the last episode I did. So I haven't talked at all about Fringe ending. I haven't talked about the new season of Girls, which is almost over. Hey. Yes. You know. Go on. If there's something I know about a David Bax, uh-huh. it's this. It's that you you are under the impression that... A person can enter into any TV show and still find a certain episode fascinating. Oh, yeah. Okay. If the, if the show is if it's a good show. Right, right. The show is doing television right, yes. Watch this week's Survivor. Oh, okay. I'm telling you. I'll try to remember. It's the thing that, has happened, that happens on it has never happened on the show before, 26 seasons. It's never happened before. And it is, I mean, it is fascinating television i think happened on amazing race this past week that had never happened before i'm trying to think i let's see i don't totally remember it caused phil to look at the camera at the end and say <gasps> oh oy vey. Oy vey. yeah so, yeah we'll talk about that off air okay that was insane uh, crazy right. uh insane 
if you're a crazy amazing race yeah, yeah. like I am it wouldn't it wouldn't be mind blowing to the normal watcher I guess no alright uh, thanks for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.